and welcome back to the Joker's Corner. I am your host, Marvel Kid AJ, and today is the 14th of September, 2018. I was supposed to do this yesterday, but stuff came up, so I'm doing it today. Um, so a lot of news came out. And a lot of this DC focus for the most part, except for like a couple things. Um, starting out with Henry Cavill, or the Henry Cavill situation. I don't think anyone knows what's going on. I, I don't even think DC, Warner Brothers, Henry Cavill. I don't think anyone knows what's going on. I think he's still Superman. Anyway, it's it's like okay, so. Warner Brothers came out saying they came to an agreement to, I don't think they used the word fired, but um, it like implied that Henry Cavill was no longer Superman. So everyone went nuts. And I think they came out later saying, oh, wait, no, no, no. We still have a great working relationship with uh, Henry Cavill, yada, yada. And then Henry Cavill posts the, Instagram video of him wearing a Krypton workout shirt uh, and lifting a Superman action figure really, really slowly with, with like, background music. He doesn't say a word. So I think he's still Superman. I, I don't know why this was done. I, I, I couldn't explain it. I, I, I could be wrong. I... I think what happened was they, I don't want to say fired, but they were done with Henry Cavill as Superman. Because this also ties into the other piece of news I have with DC. And it's like, there's a report going around saying they want to, they want their future to be more female-led focused movies. And it has something to do with making a Supergirl movie which will replace Superman in a way. So I guess they were they were thinking, oh, let's just get rid of Superman altogether. We don't need you, Henry Cavill. They saw the immediate backlash for it, and then they backtracked. I think, because Henry Cavill, I think, wants to play Superman. And DC, you got to think about it, DC already has a problem with their Batman. They're already having to recast their Batman. So uh, I don't think they want to ruin people. Well, because everyone likes Henry Cavill as Superman. We just don't like some of the aspects of the movie. And that's how the usually the, the director or writer or however, whoever is in charge of explaining Superman's character in the movie, either don't get Superman or they're doing it on purpose. But he's not how Superman would act. Anyway, um, but people like him as Superman because he, he looks like Superman. And they didn't realize how much they liked him until the backlash happened, I guess. And then they realized, okay, we, we can keep him. So I, I don't know. That's just my theory. I could be wrong. But I think he is still Superman. Um, 
next piece of DC movie news is Kit Harrington, Jon Snow himself, is reportedly supposed to be Batman in Matt Reeves' The Batman movie. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. I think I would have gone with Oscar Isaac as Batman more because I think he actually looks like New 52 Batman. So, I mean, Jon Snow is fine. I, I'm fine with it. Kit, he was okay. For what I watched in Game of Thrones, he was okay. Maybe that's why I don't have such a strong opinion. Apparently, you got to build up Jon Snow's character. Since I only watched, like, the first season and second season, I'm not, I wasn't that invested in him. Um, but, yeah, he's supposed to be He's supposed to be a great actor or whatever. I haven't seen anything else with him, and I just know he's Jon Snow. And so I can't really say he's a good fit, he's a bad fit. I just, I wish I would, they would have gone with Oscar Isaac. And then, so also supposedly, they're, they're talking about bringing a female blade into the MCU instead of the regular blade that everybody knows, which is fine, but then there's also a report that it's supposed to be the original blade's daughter. So does that mean Wesley Snipes is gonna well if I'm just gonna assume because he's apparently they he's like I said, I think I said this in a past podcast that he met with uh he was meeting with people over at Marvel. So maybe this is what this was talking about, so maybe Wesley Snipes' blade is like the father of this new female MCU blade, which would be fine, honestly, because then you can keep all of Blade's history from those movies without, I don't want to say ruining, but in a way ruining his character by becoming MCUified. And then just giving this new character a way to be MCU-ified. And people can't complain because it's a whole new character. I think that's the smartest thing to do. But I could, who knows how they're going to do that. Maybe Wesley Snipes isn't even coming back as anything. But uh, I think it's a pretty cool idea. Just say the original boy got old and retired or whatever. Where's vampire power going? I don't know. Make it work. They're smart. They can make it work. Um, and the last bit of uh, news before getting into the comic book reviews is Miles Morales is getting a new ongoing series just in time for the movie, right in December. And uh, it's going to be written by, I don't know how to, again, I apologize if I butcher these names. Um, I think it's pronounced Saladin Ahmed, and the artist will be Javier Garan, and the, the, yeah, the series is called Miles Morales Spider-Man, so I'm excited, I'm not gonna lie, I'm so glad we have a new Miles Morales book, because I was 
I was a little worried how they were going to do this because mm, I have a love-hate relationship with Brian Michael Bendis when it comes to Miles Morales because he was writing him very interesting at first. And then when he went over to the 616, Brian, he, Bendis kind of kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Maybe because that's he knew he was going to DC or whatever, but his stories weren't. Some of them were good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say all of them were bad. I enjoyed some of them. Like when they focused more. I don't know. How do I, how do I say that? Mm. Like I like that he finally got like his. Uh, who I think uh, Bendis was in was implying was going to be his Mary Jane, if you want to compare it like that. So I do enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, pretty much whenever he was Miles Morales, I pretty much enjoyed it. But whenever he was Spider-Man, some of the Spider-Man stuff didn't make any sense to me. I was like, why? They were just boring, I want to say. They kind of were boring. But whenever he was Miles Morales, I enjoyed that stuff. The Miles Morales stuff was awesome. It's just the Spider-Man aspect of the Miles Morales part. I was like, you're, you're losing me. Where's, the, ooh, where's his... Where's his... Uh, like, great ultimate Spider-Man arcs that we've seen Brian, Brian do. Like, where where is all that? And it just, it just wasn't there. So, I'm hoping with a new person not only can we adapt to this new style of Miles Morales writing, but hopefully this guy can like give us a good take of it. And like just make it, because I think that's what he wants to go with. Just make him, like let him be the teenage superhero that they want him to be, but they kind of already ruined the whole fact that he's like an adult. Not ruined, because I like that, but um, he's Peter's an adult now. When Spider-Man probably was at his peak famousness is when he's a teenager. That's what they make cartoons about all the time. That's what that's what's most advertiser friendly for the kids, who's their target demographic. So this gives them that way to be the new teenage Spider-Man that they can cash in on, and it's gonna make money. It's it's going to. Um. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, getting into the comic book review, it is starting out with Amazing Spider-Man number five, Legacy number eight hundred six, writer Nick Spencer and art art by Ryan Ottoly. Um, so this story opens up with Peter explaining to Mary Jane like what's been going on in the recent. Basically, it's like a recap of what's been going on in the past like four issues before number five, and uh. It ends like with Mary Jane, like re- like pretty much like this is like kind of like Nick Spencer's like sly way of like letting everybody know like, hey guys, look like after this whole thing, like don't when I'm not gonna pull a after the first story arc, Mary Jane and Peter Parker are breaking up. Like she she understands that he is Spider Man. Like that all that bull crap that she gets like she hates the fact that he's Spider Man, whatever is like gone or whatever. So thank you, Nick Spencer, for like reassuring everybody about that but she like reassures him that oh no she's with him he he has to be spider-man she's with him for everything and all that 
Um, so later on, Peter comes up with this plan to trick Boomerang into stealing the genome accelerator and so he can uh, track down the Spider-Man entity and combine back together. But the way he does this to Boomerang, it's like he's talking to Randy Robson about the uh, about the machine, how it's worth all this money and how it's got no security. It's like really shocking that it has no security. And uh, since Boomerang's their roommate, he overhears this and he's like, oh, wait, where'd you, where'd you go to school? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, then it switches over to um, him stealing it. He's like, wow, Peter sure is weird about that security. There's a lot more security than what he told us. And the next day, while he's putting the machine back in the trunk before he can get in the front seat, Peter hops in and drives away. Um, so I thought that was really funny. Um, and so the story continues. Before Peter can use the accelerator, um, him and the Spider-Man entity are attacked by Tri-Sentinels, the, the Tri-Sentinel army that Strom got in the last issue by the mysterious voice who I, th who I thought was uh, Master Mode. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Peter saves the Spider-Man entity from like a bomb or whatever. And the Spider-Man entity is so distracted by Peter's sacrifice that Peter is able to like pull the accelerator off the building and pretty much break it, causing it to explode. And uh, but from that explosion, they combine back together. They're finally one person that can finally stop saying Spider-Man entity. Now, uh, Spider's able to hack into the Tri-Sentinels and lead them back at uh, lead them back to Strom's base, but it's like too late, and Strom's already been killed by the mysterious new villain that appeared in uh, Nick Spencer's first issue, which I didn't review. But um, in the first issue, uh, he fought Mysterio or whatever, and turned out Mysterio was uh, working for this new bad guy or whatever. And I thought he was going to come in like during like Spider-Geddon, but maybe he is coming in Spider-Geddon. I don't know. Maybe it's like a long-term type of deal. But... Uh, yeah, that's the guy who kills uh, Strom before uh, Spider-Man gets back to is able to get back to Strom's base, and uh, he's like, "Oh, okay, so now there's a guy who's like after me now, and he's using old villains to get get to me, and then killing them if they don't succeed." Um, And that's pretty much how the story ends before it goes to the scene where the hunter from the previous issues that we've seen in almost every issue, it finally is revealed who's hunting that hunter. And I should have known better. I should have been smarter. But it's Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter was the one that hunted the hunter that killed the elf or whatever. But um, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, it should be interesting. We haven't really seen Craven Hunter fight Spider-Man since, I want to say, and I mean, like, Peter Parker Spider-Man. He fought Kane, Scarlet Spider, in, uh, in Scarlet Spider series. But, um, we haven't, I don't think we've seen him fight Peter Parker Spider-Man since Grim Hunt. I think that was it. Where, uh, the story where he they kill off uh, the old Madam Web. I want to say that was the last time we saw him fight Spider-Man. 
I could be wrong though. Um, but I give this issue a seven point five out of ten. Uh, I'm glad this arc is over. I didn't really enjoy the whole split personality thing, but uh, it wasn't bad. Like it was not what I envisioned the first arc of a new writer, a new from. You can't go from dance slots like storytelling and then go to a whole new style story kind of storytelling with a weak opening like that. That was a very weak opening. Like why didn't they just start off with Craven the Hunter? Like why why do we have to build that up? They could have and and the way they built the way he built it up was so weird, like hunting uh, a hunter that's very cheesy. I don't know. I do think Nick Spencer gets Spider-Man's humor, but this arc underwhelmed very much so for an for a opener to a new Spider-Man. Maybe I just don't like Spider-Man fighting robots. I think that's the problem. I didn't like uh, Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man. That entire storyline is just a one big time travel. And it, it it has no real... I mean, yeah, robots have real stakes, but they're robots. I don't, I don't know. I don't like Spider-Man. At least for an opening arc. When it's the when it's the the Spider Slayer is different. I don't count that. But and they're not even his robots. They're they're the X Men robots. Like he fought the Tri Sentinel. Yeah, but the Sentinels are X Men villains. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I still get a seven point five out of ten. Um, hopefully the Craven picks it up a little bit. But I'm afraid it's just gonna be typical. I'm craving a hunter. I gotta hunt Spider-Man. Mm. I know everybody was like really excited to have like classic Spider-Man stories and stuff like that, which is cool. But it kind of takes away character growth in a way. And I think I'm just, I think I'm only just saying that this doesn't play in like the Spider-Man PS4 game like constantly. And I'm like, Spider-Man's way too good to be losing to like Kraven the Hunter at this stage in the game. I'm sorry, at this stage in the game, he should be taking out Kraven the Hunter one, two, three. Mm. Anyway, next up is Daredevil number 608. Um... The issue opens up with, oh yeah, Daredevil number 608 writer is Charles Soule and artist is Phil Noto. Um, the issue opens up where the last one left off with Mike Murdoch holding the gun up to Foggy Nelson and demanding he call back. Uh, Foggy does so and Daredevil comes crashing through a window, but Mike is, Mike has a Foggy held hostage and escapes and tells Daredevil to bring, to bring Matt to, to him. 
So Daredevil needs to come up with a plan to get back Foggy. And uh, meanwhile, Mike and Foggy are driving like in a cab when they're attacked by Bushwhacker. He's like, I guess his arm's like a flamethrower or like a gun or it can like be a gun or whatever. I don't know. Um, somehow Mike is able to take out Bushwhacker by, uh, he stole Daredevil's uh, baton thing and he accidentally popped out the thing and it, it kind of like how he swings, he projected it and uh, hit the dude in the throat and like knocked him unconscious. And then he shot his leg to make sure he wasn't coming back after him. Which, I gotta say, even though I was like, oh my god, that's pretty over-excessive, was smart. That's very smart, so I can't blame him for doing that. That's, I would, if I was in his shoes, I would do the same thing. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I don't have any superpowers. I'm not gonna let a superpowered mercenary follow, like, wanna attack me and follow after me, like, no. Um... But anyway, later on, they meet up with Matt, and unbeknownst to Matt, Mike, Matt has Reader and Frank McGee standing nearby to like erase him when Matt gives the word. But he wants he wanted to talk to Mike first because he has like this. He's starting to feel like oh, like he feels like he's his brother now, even though he knows he's like he's not real. Uh. Anyway, while they're talking, Matt is starting to feel sympathy. And before anything could actually happen, Reader is still pissed that Mike hurt his dog, and he ruins the whole, like, Mike possibly not being a bad guy. And But uh, Mike's able to escape because they get into a big tussle. Uh, Matt Murdock's like, oh, no, don't do it. You know, typical dumb superhero thing. And later on, Mike goes to Mayor Fisk's office and tells him that he can be useful to him and just give him a job and give him, like, a way to, like, survive, blah, blah, blah. And to to show his, like, trust or whatever, he tells him that he knows that Daredevil knows that Fisk rigged the election and that his team, that he, he, he formed a team to take him down. Um, but Fist like seems to ignore it, like, oh, whatever, dude, you're nobody, you're lying. But of course, Wilson Fist is not a dumb man. He knows Daredevil would do something like that, and uh, the issue ends with him sending the hood to Mike, saying, hey, like he has a job for him. Uh, this is a pretty good issue. I give it a eight out of ten. Uh, it's interesting to see that. It's odd. You, you you don't think of Daredevil as such a magic character at first, but then you like as you read his history and like you you read how his comic books go, he has a lot of like magic stuff, which is odd for somebody who has like he doesn't really have any superpowers, but he he has that radar thing, but that he just he's not strong like he doesn't have super strength or anything like that. He's just a dude, and I find that kind of interesting about Daredevil. He, he's a freaking lawyer, but yeah, he's dealing with like magic ninjas and stuff like that which is just odd and funny um but yeah it's a good solid issue uh charles so sold 
you can't do you can do no wrong to me honestly like you've been killing it so i have no reason to, to not trust where you're taking your story um but yeah yeah okay. um and now on to the best comic book of the week coming from marvel fantastic four number two legacy number 647 writer dan slot and artist sarah Pacelli. um i didn't review the first one the first time i read it because i didn't really enjoy that one as much i mean it was enjoyable it just wasn't in my top comic books that i felt were more interesting as a whole um but in the last issue the most important thing we really need to know is that Johnny said that uh, Reed and Sue haven't come back yet. And then uh, the thing proposed to Alicia Masters, and she said yes. That's like pretty much the most important thing. Um, but anyway, this issue opens up with showing what happened with Reed, Sue, the Molecule Man, and the Future Foundation. Um, you know, like the kids, like Franklin area and all those other like aliens and stuff like that but uh it shows what they've been doing since secret wars and what they've been doing has been like creating new universes using franklin's powers and then helping like those universes like thrive so like it opens up with like uh they're on this planet and they're talking like with uh valerius talking with this alien who i guess she has a crush on because she like texts him and like kind of like tries to like FaceTime him or whatever in the other universes. Um and and it and it's it's narrated by Sue and it, it she mentions like the kids have grown. So I'm assuming like some time has passed. Cause I can't remember I don't know how old they were before Secret Wars. So maybe they they've gotten older, maybe in because Valeria is very different. I'll get into that later as I go on, but she she's He's not the same Valeria I remember reading. And I'll I'll talk about that as I go on. But um, anyway, um, later on it shows them camping out on a snow planet and Franklin and Valeria are talking about how they miss Johnny and uh, Ben Grimm. But uh, Valeria does some odd, and this is what I'm talking about. She does some weird teenage girl like typical teenage girl thing and like has like a stereotypical I should say I think it's typical stereotypical teenage girl thing where she like has like a random outburst and does like a ugh thing like like it, that's what it seems like and it's so out of character for her because she's always been like kind of monotone kind of like I'm the smartest person in the room, and I don't want to waste my breath with any of y'all unless I have to. That's what she seemed like at times to me. That's what it seemed like to me. So maybe, maybe she's maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've just always interpreted her character wrong, but that's how I've interpreted her character. Um, but any, but anyway, besides that, there's more that's out of character for her. Um. The next day, the Future Foundation discovers that Franklin can no longer, like, create universes. So they're like, oh, crap, is his power going away? Um, so Reed, Dragon Man, and Owen Reese, the Molecule Man, start trying to figure out the problem when they're all of a sudden attacked by, I believe, a new villain. Again, I'm not the, the most 
knowledgeable person on Fantastic Four. So I don't know if it's a new, I believe it's a new villain. Um, she's called the griever of all things, and she just kills the molecule man, like off rip. And that's OD. Like, he's the molecule man. Like, he's kind of God in a way. But he's like, he's kind of the Marvel version of the uh, Mr. Doctor Manhattan. Kind of, yeah. But anyway, the rest of the Future Foundation tried to escape to the other planet where they that they've created. But everywhere they go, uh, the Grievers beat beat them to it. And uh, this is another thing that Valeria does that's out of character for her. She she has a oh I've got to go save that alien that I just met and I'm totally in love with and blah blah blah. And she crashes their ship onto the planet. And that's the reason why she did just to go save someone that I mean I get the saving part like that's that's noble and stuff like that but it's so out of character for her like she's more like Reed Richards in a way like Reed Richards was the one that was like that was like well like your sister like doomed all of us like not doomed all of us but like crashed the ship like like an idiot um. They try to make a stand, like Al, uh, Franklin tries to do something. Uh, I forgot, is his name Alex Powers? I think his name's Alex Powers. I think he's like the power of the power pack. Like he's like the oldest dude of the power pack. I could be wrong. Um, they try to make a last stand, but this girl, like Reaver, she doesn't kill him, but um, she defeats them easily, kind of. And Reed is able to use her hubris to trick her into allowing him to bring the rest of the Fantastic Four because she was all like, oh, this is the Fantastic Four, this is the fable Fantastic Four, blah, 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 your jokes, blah, blah, blah. And um, so Reed tricks her into bringing the rest of the Fantastic Four. But Reed being the genius that he is, he brings every person that's ever been a member of the Fantastic Four, from Ghost Rider to She-Hulk, Spider-Man to Medusa. He brings every single person that's ever been a Fantastic Four member, and like, and that's how the issue ends. So, it's. I hope this fight. I hope the next issue is a really cool fighting issue, like. Cause this girl, like she's the this new villain. She she's she's she killed the molecule man. Like that's pretty op. And um, she, the whole reason she's after them because she's saying uh them creating universes go against like divine code or divine rule or whatever. So that's why she's after them. But uh, yeah, this issue I gave it eight point five out of ten. Like I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we can finally see what happens with what happened to Reed, Sue, and the rest of the kids. Um, I, yeah. So I'm glad. I'm just glad we are able to see Fantastic Four again. Like that's that's pretty dope. Um, moving on to the DC portion of the comic book reviews, we had two really. They were good. I really enjoyed one, and then I just enjoyed the other one. Uh, the one I really enjoyed was Titans number 25 with writing by Dan 
Abnett and art by Brian Peterson, uh, Julian March, and Dennis. Um, the issue opens up with the Titans talking about how emotions affect the source wall energy event, and depending on how the emotion, how you are, your emotional state, it intensifies the source wall energy. Um, but while they're talking about this, alarms go off talking about there's a, an event happening, and but it's different from the other times, and because there are three happening at the same time, so the team, the team splits up into many teams, and Team A is Beast Boy Ravens and Steel. Team B is Donna Troy by herself, which is just a just badass, and then. Team C is Nightwing and Miss Martian, and Miss Martian is like, "Oh, why are you, why are you making me go with you? Like you don't, you don't trust me." Blah blah blah. blah. They're they're having a whole bickering spat. That's their. And um, so anyway, Team A, Beast Boy, Raven, and Steel, they fight a giant robot in the middle of the city, which is uh, Steel makes a note is weird because Source Wall energy is supposed to affect inanimate objects and Raven tries to vapor, uh, vaporize the robot but her powers don't work and turns out it's because her soul self is gone due to the events of last issue where the uh, where I guess this is what explained where she the issue ends with Raven uh, being trapped in the, the world of the of like the D and D writer, so she was trapped in that world. But I guess this Raven is just regular Raven, and that other Raven was her soul self. I don't know because the other issue ended with the guy, with the the villain of that issue, transforming into Raven. So I don't I don't know that he's gonna have to explain that later on. Um. It switches over to Donna, who's going to this warehouse where it turns out uh, minions of the, I guess, recently killed off Brother Blood are stealing a device that's harnessing source wall energy from investigative journalist Ben Rubil from the Supergirl Rebirth comic. And meanwhile, Nightwing and Miss Martian go to an old lady's apartment who pretty much ignores their presence for the most part because she thinks they're a TV repairman. And she's like clicking through the channels and Nightwing and Miss Martian uh, bickering emotions or whatever transferred, affected the source wall event and they got transferred into her TV, the old lady's TV. And they kept taking on the the personalities of the characters and apparently it was like a torture for Dick Grayson because his brain couldn't keep up with it. Um, they have a mini adventure. Them confronting why they bicker. And it turns out Nightwing is overcompensating because he feels justly thinks they need a babysitter, and Miss Martian is that babysitter. But she's like, I'm a liaison, not like that. Blah blah blah. Um, they get over it, and during the course of getting over it, I think they start. They're starting a a romance between the two because they came this close to kissing and before Donna Troy destroys the uh, 
machine that's affecting the source wall energy. Um, and then everything is solved once Steel finds out that the robot was under the control of a child who lost his toy. So it wasn't, the source wall energy still doesn't affect uh, inanimate objects, it just affects people. Um, and Beast Boy promises Raven they'll find a way to, get, uh, to help her get her soul self back. Um, this was a really fun issue. Um, it really gave me Teen Titans cartoon nostalgia in a way. It just, it was just really fun. And even though, yeah, it doesn't have like a Cyborg or um, Starfire, it was still like a fun adventure in a way. It was fun. It was really fun. I, I, that's the best way I can put it. Uh, I'm really excited for the next one. Dan Abnett, you still know. You're so, you're so good. Everything you do turns to gold. That's all I got to say. Um, and ending the comic book reviews with Suicide Squad number 46. Um, writers are Rob Williams and Dan Abnett. And art by Jose Luis. Um, story opens up with Harley Quinn giving a recap of what's been going on in the Think Atlantis uh, crossover because we kind of had like a huge gap because I think Suicide Squad's annual came out or something like that. There was a huge gap between the storyline. Um. Anyway, uh, she's giving like a rundown of what's been going on. Um, but it's basically in in reality. It's Basically, her snitching—not really snitching, but just being a talkative, crazy person. Um, but she's talking about all this to Commander Merck, but also Queen Mera, who is not. She's she's pissed that the uh, U.S. government sent the Suicide Squad. Um, Aquaman goes to King Shark and explains to him it would be it would benefit him to help out Atlantis. And then he lets them know that Amanda Waller is the reason for this, and King Shark, who's still holding a grudge against uh, Waller because she he was a member of the Suicide Squad at one point, um, and she I guess he just wants revenge. Is uh, he decides to join Aquaman? Um, Ursul is able to convince Lord Satanus, the no one of the no name villains. Who I've, that's how I've been referring to them, the no-name villains. Apparently, we have to know this guy's name now because he just became the main villain of the crossover. He's the whole big bad. Um, okay, then. Dan Abnett, I, I, I want to say this was, I don't want to say this is yours. And again, Rob Williams, I don't read your Suicide Squad, but I, I, I just don't want to believe Dan Abnett came up with the idea of playing Lord Satanist be the main villain of this crossover. But uh, anyway, uh, she's able to convince Lord Satanist to Satanist or whatever to use the magical items in the school, in the science school, instead of the nuke. Because she, she doesn't want to destroy Atlantis or hurt people or whatever. She just wants Queen Mera off the throne. Um, but while she's trying to seduce him, he kills her. Just as Aquaman and his group gets there. Um, Satanus is able to trap Aquaman and the Suicide Squad and the, the army, whatever, 
inside a magic dome besides the besides Dolph. And they have this whole dramatic moment about Aquaman like saying, Don't go after him, you're not by yourself, blah 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 blah. And uh Harley Quinn's just like speaking for Dolphin because Dolphin is mute. And he she's like Harley Quinn is telling um Aquaman what she's saying and it turns out she says that uh he loves she loves him and then she swims off to stop or try to stop sadness. Um So uh, the story ends with Mara meeting a U.S. ambassador and telling her that she isn't pleased that the U.S. sent their Black Ops team to destroy Atlantis and that she has raised the ocean, the oceans around the coast, and that if it, and tells the, the lady that if Atlantis falls, so will the U.S. Okay, so again, this isn't a bad issue. The stakes have been raised. Like, the ending shot of Mara holding up the ocean over the coast is awesome. That's an awesome image and just shows how powerful and badass that, uh, that Mara is. But Satinus, as the main villain that Aquaman is fighting during all this and Suicide Squad fighting all this, is a kind of meh realization. So for that, I have to give this issue a 7.5 out of 10. They still have one more issue comes out next week in Aquaman. They have one more issue to give a good, satisfying conclusion without this feeling like a big waste of time. Because they made such a big deal about Aquaman crossing over the Suicide Squad, and it, this is this is a weak, weak, weak uh, main villain. Um, so yeah, that was the last comic book, and that's the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me on today. Um, you can DM me questions on Twitter or Instagram if you want them answered on the show, uh, at AJ either on both Twitter and Instagram, honestly. And yeah, see you next week, where we either on talk more about comics and such. Maybe I'll get to the anime eventually. Maybe that'll be my running gag. I'll say I'll keep saying I'm gonna uh, do the anime but I never do it. Oh and also check out my YouTube, Marvel Kid AJ on YouTube. Where I post reviews of all other com the comics are reviewed on the podcast, but also comics I've read outside the top five. Um so yeah, thanks.